You know, last Sunday was Easter Sunday. And Easter Sunday is the Sunday where around the world we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But you know, really for the Christian church, every Sunday is a celebration of the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He said, because I live, you shall live also. And we have our life today and owe our life to our Lord and Savior. What a wonderful, wonderful Savior he is. Do you love him this morning? Say amen. amen. I, uh, I want to do something a little bit different for the Sunday after Easter. Actually, last Sunday we, um, we had a number of people who responded at the altar invitation, raised their hand to accept Jesus as their Savior or to rededicate their lives to the Lord. In fact, this place was packed last Sunday. We had to bring out chairs in the 11 o'clock service. And um, wonderful, wonderful response. For those who came down after the service uh, to receive a packet, they got a, in that packet they received a little booklet that talks about the next step. It used to be entitled, What Now? But they've updated it, and it's now called, What's Your Next Step? Powerful little booklet. And by the way, if you accepted the Lord as your Savior last Sunday morning and you didn't get one of these little booklets, I want to challenge you to come up after church. Come, come when we give the altar invitation because the prayer team members have those available. I, I, want, I want you to be sure and get one of those. It's a wonderful little booklet. And I'm going to preach from it. I'm not going to preach the whole booklet, but I want to just give you three points from that booklet and encourage you to get it and, and read more. But uh, to, to get into that, let me just very briefly explain, explain what happened to you last Sunday morning. If you really prayed that prayer with us from your heart, and if you meant it sincerely, then we believe that you are saved. And we base that upon Romans chapter 10, verses 8 to 10. Let me read it. What does it say? Talking about the Word of God. The Word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the Word of faith that we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Do you notice how emphatic that is? Do you notice how, how straightforward that is? There, there's, there's no ifs and maybes about it. He says, if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Now, why is that important? Because if Christ is not risen from the dead, then our hope is in vain. Our religion is no better than anybody else's religion. We don't have anything to do with eternal life if Christ did not raise from the dead. You say, well, I thought all of that was based on Calvary. It was based on the sacrifice of Calvary. But when Jesus arose from the dead, he became the living, dynamic creator of the testament or the will that he left for us and rose to execute that for us. And he said, as I said a while ago, because he lives, we can live also. The reason you and I have spiritual life in us today is because Jesus arose from the dead three days after he was crucified and, and laid in a tomb. Can somebody say praise the Lord for that? Thank the Lord. Amen. 
Amen. So he said, if you confess him as Lord with your mouth, you believe in your heart that he raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth one is made, a confession is made unto salvation. We call it being born again. Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter 3, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So that you, you became a born-again believer. Now, Nicodemus had trouble understanding that. In, in fact, Nicodemus asked him, said, Jesus, how is that possible that a man could be born twice? Can, can you enter the second time into your mother's womb and be born? Jesus said, no, 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 no. You're, you're confusing natural with spiritual. You, you're born, but like you're born in the natural, you are also born in the spirit. In fact, you are a spirit. You have a soul. You just live in this body. And you can be born again. That first birth that we had, that old nature that we had, was the nature that was passed down to us from Adam all the way through the generations. That's who we were. But let me tell you, when you receive Christ into your life, you became a new creature in Christ Jesus. You've got a new spiritual DNA you are now part of the family of God. God is your father. Jesus is your elder brother. And we're your brothers and sisters. I hope you like that, okay? Some of you sitting there saying, I don't know whether I want you in my family or not. <laughs> well, like it or not, we're in the family of God. Amen? And it's a, it's a good family because it's born with. Look what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. You're a brand new creature in Christ Jesus. You have that new DNA. You're a child of God. And now we're ready to grow. That's the first thing you do is grow. You grow. If you don't grow, you'll die. When you're born again, think, compare the natural and the spiritual again, even as Jesus did. And, and when, when a baby is born, right away they let you know that they're hungry. They let you know they're hungry. They let you know that they're hungry. <laughs> you, don't, you, don't just, you don't just lay them down and, and, and put them on a schedule. I know some of you try to do that, and, and you work with it as good as you can. But the fact is, when they get hungry, it don't matter whether your schedule is convenient or inconvenient, they're going to let you know when they're hungry because they have to have that nourishment to grow. Well, it's the same thing in the spirit world. We want to grow. So the first thing, I'm going to give you three things very briefly. I'm not going to preach long. Very briefly, I'm going to give you three things that you need to consider as you start this journey with the Lord Jesus Christ. Number one, the Word of God. You need to fall in love with the Word of God. Fall in love with the Word of God. This, this Word becomes your food. In fact, Jesus talked about uh, being the bread that came down from heaven. 
When he was tempted, and let's read Mark, uh, Matthew chapter 4, the first four verses. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you're the Son of God, command these stones to be bread. He answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Satan was trying to tempt him with food for the natural man. But Jesus said there's another kind of food that's even more important, and that's the food for the spiritual man. And in fact, he said, if you don't get that spiritual food, you'll die. For we don't live by bread alone. Unfortunately, there's a lot of people who are really uh, conscientious about getting three square meals a day, but then they try to live on one cold snack a week. And it just doesn't work. You will die spiritually if you don't feed your spiritual man. So fall in love with the Word of God. This is the most wonderful book in all of the world. If, if you haven't discovered it yet, please discover it. In fact, it's a library of books. There's 66 books in here. And this is the most phenomenal, the most fantastic, the most wonderful book that has ever been written because it was written by God himself. Holy men of old were breathed on by the Holy Spirit, divinely inspired to write it. And everything you like is in here. Do you like mysteries? There are mysteries in here. Do you like romance? There are romances in here. Do you like poetry? There is poetry in here. Do you like prophecy? There's prophecy in here. Do you like history? There's history in here. I'm telling you, you can just read the Word of God. I've been reading it all my life, and it gets sweeter, sweeter, sweeter as the days go by. You just, every time you read it, you find something new. Every time you read it, something jumps off of the pages that you didn't see before. And, and it, it, it doesn't contain life. It is life. Jesus said in John 6, 63, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. If you want to grow spiritually, fall in love with the Word of God. Set a time. I have for many, many years made the first part of my day a time to read the Word of God. First thing I do when I get out of bed and get going, I go to my place where I read the Word of God. And there's a part of it that I read with, with my eyes looking at the Word and reading. There's another part that I put on an electronic Bible and let it read to me. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. I listen to it as I look at it. Find a translation that you understand and, and, you, and, and is easy for you to read and, and just fall in love with the Word of God. Start your day with the Word of God. Many years ago, I discovered this uh, from the Word of God, and that is that if you'll put God first, in fact, Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, all these other things will be added to you. But in my finances, if I put God first, if I give God the tithe, the first part of my income, that means that there's no curse on the rest of it, but it's blessed. The 90% is now blessed because the first 10% is committed to God. 
Well, I didn't find a scripture to back this up, but I just started doing it on my own because I thought, you know, if God will do that with my finances, I wonder if God will do that with my time. And so I started giving God the first 10% of my day. And he blesses the 90%. Martin Luther said, if I don't give God four hours a day, I don't have time to get the rest of the things done that I need to get done. Now, that doesn't make sense logically, does it? But it does spiritually. What Martin Luther said is the more time I give God, the more he makes the rest of my time become fruitful and blessed in my life. So you, you may be sitting here this morning and say, Preacher, I just don't have time to read the Bible every morning. Oh, you will find time if you do it. God will add to your blessed time and make it more fruitful for you, and you'll be able to make it. So fall in love. One more scripture let me give you. In, in, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 to 3, Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow by, thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. He said, we ought, to we ought to desire the word just like a newborn baby, just like that baby that cried. <laughs> you know, there are a lot of churches don't preach the word anymore. They you know, give you three points in a poem, send you home, talk about psychology or something else like that, or, you know, philosophy and a lot of, <laughs> here's, here's what I think you ought to do if you, ever, if you ever find yourself in one of those churches and they're not preaching the word. <clears throat> As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word. What does a newborn baby do when he's hungry? Starts crying. You ought to just stand up right in the middle of the service. Say, ah! Just. When they ask you what you're doing, say, I'm just following the scripture. The Bible said as newborn babes desire. <laughs> I want some word. Give me some word. Pastor Reagan told me after church, he said, good night, you got a whole bunch of people just waiting for me to get off of something besides the Word so they can stand up and cry the next time I'm preaching. <laughs> but seriously, we ought to do that. In fact, he talked about tasting. If you ever get a taste of this, oh, I'm telling you, the, the Word is good. You'll, you'll find yourself hungering for the Word, longing for the Word. You know, you, you start the baby off after, after the baby gets off the bottle and gets on that, that um, baby food. Have you ever tasted that stuff? Good time of living. I mean, the applesauce is all right, but man, you get spinach and squash and, and it has no seasoning in it and it's... But poor little old babies, they don't know any better. So you just feed it and... You think they like it, they spit it out, and you just rake their mouth off, stick it back in there, and they spit it out again. You know, you think you get the message after one. But you let somebody give them a taste. Grandparents are good at this. You let somebody slip them a little chocolate. Oh, yeah. And to give them a little something else from the table and a little something. It won't be long before you can throw them little old jars away because they'll be, they'll be getting that good stuff from the table because it tastes good. Praise God. You know, I've, I looked at Paula Dean's 
um, cookbook. Everything starts with a stick of butter <laughs> and a cup of sugar. <laughs> but boy, when you get a taste of that other stuff, my goodness alive, what a blessing. Well, they taste ice cream. Bluebell ice cream. Uh, but feed yourself in the Word, and as you do, you will develop a taste for it. You will learn to love it, and you'll seek more of it. Secondly, develop a prayer life. Now, now folks, this is more than a discipline. This is an opportunity for you to fellowship with the King of Heaven. If somebody sent you an invitation in the mail to visit your senator or your congressman or your governor or, or somebody in some high up official, you, you would probably be so proud of that. It'd be on Facebook and Instagram and everywhere else. and You'd be on your way. And, um, but you, had, you and I have an opportunity every day that we live, every waking moment that we have, to literally fellowship with the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. We have the opportunity to walk right into the throne room of heaven and talk to the one who controls this whole universe. What an opportunity. You say, well, preacher, where do you start? I'm, I, I'm not into prayer. A good place to start would be the Lord's Prayer. Most of you know it. You could quote it. If you don't, read it from Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 to 13. The New King James puts it this way, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Start with that. In fact, when Luke records the same thing, Luke said that Jesus said, when you pray, say, our Father who art in heaven. Now, I know it's an outline that you can learn to pray from, but it's good to just pray it exactly like it is. Jesus said, when you pray, say. And it will help you develop if you'll stop and think about it, meditate on it a little bit as you pray. He starts you off by just fellowshipping with the Heavenly Father. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Teaches you to reverence and hallow the name of the Lord. And then it teaches you next to talk about the kingdom. Jesus said, as I quoted a while ago, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added to you. And when, in the context that, that verse, those verses are in, Jesus is talking about food, clothing, and shelter. Jesus said, don't be anxious about those things. Don't live in fear that you're not going to have those things. Some of you may, may be tormented by fear, afraid you're not going to have enough to eat, afraid you're not going to have enough to wear, afraid you're not going to have a place to live, afraid. Fear comes from the enemy. Cast that down. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then just thank the Lord that God will take care of these things in your life. That's a promise from the Scripture, and you can claim it. So fellowship and prayer. Learn to talk with your heavenly Father. Fellowship with him. And then third and finally, fellowship. 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 
fall in love with the Word of God, learn to pray, and then the fellowship with the saints of God is so important, so important. Now, I, I hope I have your attention here because I'm going to make a statement that's going to sound like heresy when I first make it. So I want you to listen carefully and listen to the explanation before you go out of here and say, the preacher said this. You have heard it said, I have said it, that all you need is Jesus. Has anybody ever heard that? Everybody heard that? I want to make this statement this morning. Jesus is not all you need. That sounds like heresy, doesn't it? Let it sink in for just a minute. Now, I'm not talking about your salvation. When it comes to your salvation, Jesus is all you need. It's not Jesus and. It's, it, it's, don't get into legalism. Jesus is enough for your salvation. We don't need anything else or anybody else. He that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out, Jesus said. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man come to the Father but by me. All you need for your salvation is Jesus. But for your growth in the Lord, that is not all you need. In fact, Jesus himself tells us that we need more. He told us to bear one another's burdens. That means that I need somebody else to help me sometimes with my burdens. That's what Jesus said. Now, it's not that Jesus is going to forsake you. He's never going to leave you and never going to forsake you. But sometimes you need some flesh and blood. And that's why when you were born again, you became a part of the family of God. And just as important as God being your father and Jesus being your elder brothers, the rest of us, we need each other. James said, pray one for another. He even said, confess your faults one to another. Pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. We need each other. In fact, the Bible over and over refers to us in the family of God as a body. We are the body of Christ. And he talks about the connectivity. Paul especially spent nearly a whole chapter talking about our connectivity with each other and how important we are and we can't. He said, you, you can't, you, one part of the body can't say, I don't need you. The eye can't say, because you're not the seeing to the hand, I don't need you. The hand can't say to another part of the body, I don't need you. In fact, Paul said that parts of the body that you can't even see are vitally important to your life. You can't see my heart, but buddy, if it stops beating, I'm in trouble. You can't see your liver, your kidneys, all those other organs. They're, they're hidden, but they're vital to the body. Everybody in the body of Christ doesn't stand on a platform. Everybody in the body of Christ don't walk around with a microphone. Everybody in the body of Christ doesn't write books and sing songs and, and do all of that. Some are, are, are caretakers and some look after children and some bless 
kids in the nursery and some teach in children's church and, and, and some teach a, in a home group and some just encourage one another on the telephone or pray for friends and, and they have a spirit of intercession and they pray one for another. We're all important in the body of Christ and we need each other. Look at what the writer of Hebrews said in chapter 10, verses 23 to 25. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. You see what the Bible said? The closer we get to the coming of the Lord, the more we need to know one another and be fellowshipping with one another. I encourage you to come to the, tonight to a night of worship and fellowship with each other. Praise the Lord. I'd enjoy singing with you, worshiping with you, eating spaghetti with you. We need each other. We need each other. And we, we need to intensify as we see the day of the Lord approaching. All you need for your salvation is Jesus. I can promise you that if you'll come to Jesus with your sins, he'll take care of them. He'll forgive you. If you've got problems and difficulties and habits, he will deliver you. But I want to tell you something else. If you're going to grow in the Lord, and if you're going to continue to walk in victory, you need some people to help keep you accountable. That's why small groups are so important. Because in small groups, we get to know one another. We get to open our heart in a non-threatening atmosphere where we know that what we say is not going to be gossiped about or turned against us or where we're going to be looked down on or made fun of. But, but in a fellowship of saints who have walked through and are walking through the same kind of difficulties that you are, and we can share that. There's strength in community. One of you can put 1,000 to flight, but two of you can put 10,000 to flight. We need that accountability. And I can tell you, if you get set free from something, if you're going to remain free, you need somebody to help keep you accountable. You need to say, you need somebody that when you slip will say, wait a minute, whoa, 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 don't go back there. Don't give up. Don't let the devil discourage you. Don't let the devil beat you down. So you made a mistake. Let me pray with you right now, and God will forgive you. Let, let's get, take arm in arm. I'll be praying for you every day. In fact, here's my, here's my cell number. If the devil starts tempting you in this area again, give me a call before you break down and go back into sin. Just give me a call. I'll pray with you right where you are. I'll stand with you. I'll come to where you are. I'll visit you when you're sick. I'll be with you. We need each other. Now, we're not perfect yet. A long way from it. 
Some people drop out of church because they have a bad experience. Some people drop out of church because they got hurt. If you use that same criteria, some of you would change your name and divorce your family because they've hurt you too. Somehow in our families, we managed to fight through it and we still hang on and they're still our brother or our sister or cousin or a, most of our family we claim. Some of us may have some skeletons in the closet somewhere that we don't. <laughs> but, but in a family, somehow you kind of make it through. That, that, that was amazing to me when I, when I got married because I was raised an only child. I like being the oldest when the oldest is convenient. I like being the youngest when the youngest is convenient. <laughs> but when I got married, I married into a family. They got a family. And um, I've heard them discussing things sometimes, and I think, good Lord, they won't ever speak to each other again. What I really learned, here's a lesson in life. When they're doing that, don't put your two cents worth in. Because <laughs> both of them will turn on you. We're a family. We may not always get it right. And sometimes we may disagree. And sometimes we may even fuss a little bit. But when the devil tries to throw his two cents worth in, we turn on him. And we say, you're under our feet. We stomp you, you devil, you lie. We're, we're part of the family of God. We've been washed in the blood of Jesus. We may struggle sometimes, but we're going to heaven together. We're going to make it. Amen. We're going to overcome. We're going to be victorious. We need each other. Stand with me, please. I'm going to ask the prayer team to come quickly. If you, um, if you prayed the prayer with us last Sunday, would, would, would you come down during the altar time, if you didn't get one of these last Sunday, and let one of the prayer team members help you with that? They have a box on either side that has some material in it. We'd love for you to have it. If you didn't get a chance last Sunday, you have a chance now to open your heart to the Lord. If you've never been saved, it's the most wonderful thing in all the world. I would encourage you to come give your heart to Jesus this very day. If you're away from God, why don't you come home? Renew your fellowship with the Lord. He's here waiting for you. He'll receive you with open arms. You say, well, preacher, you don't know what I've done. Doesn't matter what you've done. Calvary covers it all. Calvary covers it all. Just come today and be embraced by the love and the fellowship of our Lord. On the screen last Sunday when Todd Ryan gave his testimony, he said when he gave his heart to Jesus, it, it's like he walked into liquid love. It just, he was just saturated with the love of God. Wow. That's your heavenly Father. That would, he's here for you today. If you have other needs, we want to pray with you and for you or give you a chance to pray before you leave. 
It's so important that you talk with the Lord. If you're sick in body, come. Let's agree for your healing. If you've got a financial problem, if you've got a relational problem, if you have a problem of any kind, you'd like to pray in the next few moments. We'd like for you to come.